Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. This is Keith Fiveson, your host. On this podcast, I talk to Dr. Parash Pushmanathan, and he is with a company called Enosis Therapeutics. Enosis Therapeutics is a virtual reality company that's bringing psychedelics to the market and helping individuals to go ahead and alter their reality, to alter their story and connect with a whole side of themselves that they may have alienated. Hey, 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 I am here at the Wonderland Microdose Conference and I'm with Prash Pushmanathan and he's with Enosis Therapeutics and uh, what are you doing here? You have like a virtual reality company doing technology? Sort of, yeah. Enosis is a research development company focused on experience design for the psychedelic space and our current primary vertical is the use of virtual reality technology to act as a psychotherapy tool uh, or an important for, for psychedelic integration. Psychedelic integration, so how does that work uh, when we start taking a look at virtual reality? I'm wondering what the confluence is between psychedelics, mindfulness, and technology, and what, what does virtual reality have to do with any of this? Yeah, people think of virtual reality often as a as a strong stimulus, stimulus that's projected onto the user, whereas in reality, virtual reality is quite a catch-all term, and it can, as much as it is a, a stimulus projected onto the user, it can also be a really powerful program that acts as a canvas that the user can project onto. Think of, think of the difference between watching a YouTube video and operating a program like Microsoft PowerPoint, which is a toolkit, and what you do with that toolkit is up to you, and any altered state of consciousness based experience that requires integration, whether that's a breathwork session that produces enormous psychological change or a psychedelic experience uh, or a mindfulness session, for example, that you want to integrate, a toolkit's always going to be useful. And we have very analog tools like journaling or painting, or you can have very complex composite tools that you create in virtual reality that you can use as that toolkit. So Prash, I'm a, I'm a student of uh, Buddhism and uh, looking at Tibetan Buddhism and the whole idea of the flight simulator, the whole idea of being able to go ahead and you know rewire our brains and rewire our patterns of thinking using our breath, using visualization tools. So what I hear a lot of what you're talking about here is the ability to do that in one way or another. And there's the psychedelic component, which really for a lot of folks really is about altered reality, but you're in a virtual reality format. So I'm trying to understand how you know, psychedelics are generally used for like trauma, like dealing with a lot of trauma or being able to rewrite, I say reboot, reset, reframe. So can you speak to that here? Because I, I think there's a lot of overlay. Yeah, I think it's critical to understand that we don't attempt to, we're not trying to replicate the psychedelic experience, to be very clear about that. And we are also not attempting to interfere with the psychedelic experience. We're psychedelic purists who believed in keeping that experience pretty, um, you know, believe in the sanctity of that experience. This is, this is about being able to use virtual reality as a more, immer use the immersive properties of virtual reality to be able to better uh, integrate the experience. The psychedelic uh, experience is, as I've just termed it, it's an experience. It's an emo emotional and embodied experience, which we then often start, try to integrate using very um, cognitive modalities like talk therapy, which feels a shame because it feels like there's a lot being lost in that translation to attempt to integrate it instead using a far more emotional and embodied experience 
which a virtual reality um, scenario can be, um, allows you to, to sort of drag along all that, all that emotional connection into the integration experience rather than leaving it behind and reducing it down to a very cognitive framework, which unfortunately is how it has been done for so long because we've been trying to fit integration into current mainstream psychological models, which are talk therapy based. Right, so like, uh, you know, what we talk about certainly looking at you know, trauma is, uh, and, and also a lot of uh, addiction issues that a lot of people have, is the whole idea of um, being able to, being trauma informed, being able to sort of put the one foot on the brake, the other one on the gas, being able to have a safe container to allow you to look at trauma in a very different way. So what I'm hearing in all of what you're talking about is the ability to, through the virtual reality space, is to be able to bring your stuff into that space and then to be able to reconfigure it? Do I have that right in some way? You do, in a lot of senses, it does feel like you're reconfiguring it because as you, you know, in our, in our scenarios, as you record your thoughts, your memories, your insights, and then you start you know, in a visual landscape, um, an audiovisual landscape, because you're recording it in your voice, but in imagery, and then start to organize it and reconfigure it in real time. It does feel like you are moving your thoughts around in your brain, although what you're doing it is manipulating it in a visual landscape in, in real time. Um, and that, that's a really powerful imagery to be able to create that sort of change in that which would otherwise be sort of locked away in this abstract concept of you know, the mind. Right, and it's a safe space, so you're really... It's crucially, it's your own space. It's your own space. So you're wearing, you're wearing all the gear. I mean, tell me what's involved with this from a gear viewpoint. Well, you're wearing a, a headset, which could be it's agnostic across different manufacturers. So you know, we currently have an Oculus Quest 2 headset, but it could be any compatible headset. And what we like about that process of engaging in therapy in the headset is that we're so used to going into a therapist's room for therapy. There is a distinct hierarchical relationship that emerges, right? Like you're in a guest in the therapist space. No matter what the therapist does, and I'm a therapist, no matter what I do to try and make, to, to, to balance that out, that person is always a guest in my space. Whereas here, with, with the user having the headset on them and building what they're building and manipulating their insights in that headset, that is their personal space. That hierarchical relationship is completely disrupted. And if anything, as a therapist, I'm invited in as a guest to be part of that experience and not the other way around. Okay, so great. I go in, you know, let's kind of bring this to another perspective because I know some listeners are now wondering, okay, this sounds like, you know, this sounds like a gamer environment. You know, I go in and I'm, I put on my gamer VR set and I'm in this virtual reality space. Okay, so what's different about this than any other virtual reality space? And, and really, what can I take out of this at the end of the day? Because at the end of the day, you have to take off that headset. You gotta, you, you know, you gotta face your own crap. Um, what's different is that the stimulus that, you're, that you experience is actually quite simple um, and instead it's the functionality that's built into it that allows the user to build within that. What you take out of it is that over the course of multiple sessions of integration, you continue to build on the same model and you end up building out a really complex mind map of your entire integration process, which keeps a constant record of every part of that integration process in terms of those voice records, 
that are instilled into the imagery. And so at the end of about eight weeks, you have, yeah, this full, it's almost an electronic medical, electronic medical record of your whole integration process, which the patient is then able to export and take with them, such that they can either revisit for self-practice or that they can take with them to their own therapist, such that their own therapist may be able to continue integration with them, even though they weren't present for that whole process of integration. The integration doesn't have to stop there, and psychedelic therapy no longer has to exist in a silo, completely removed from the rest of the mental health system. Okay, so, like, you dropped a lot of stuff there, right? You know, in terms of really understanding the story, understanding the set, the setting, the integration part. So we're really talking about integration primarily, and then when we start talking about talk therapy, is there a, is there a protocol that's really required to look at using the VR in the most effective way? Yeah, so we use it in preparation for intention setting and then close up that loop by returning to that in, in integration. And so that's the, you, the two points that we primarily use it, sort of bookending the actual psychedelic session which we keep intact. Um, as far as how to utilize it, yes, there are protocols that we have developed, um, but those protocols are a guide the reality is that this is, again, this is a toolkit. And no matter what uh, psychotherapy framework one uses, whether it's ACT or CBT or MBT, or, these are just tools for the psychotherapist to use regardless of their psychotherapy framework. Um, we provide guidelines on how they might want to, but in the clinics that have started utilizing our product, we have seen three different therapists use it in three different ways um, because they work in three different ways. Right, so the individual themselves works through their own integration process. There's some pre-work, if you will, set. There's some post-integration in terms of really what happened during their journey. Is this really dependent upon having psychedelics or can someone use this outside of that? And where do you, where do you see the applications? Where every therapist who's tried on the VR has asked us the same question of like, of why is this limited to psychedelic integration? And the answer is no, it was developed with um, the principles, with principles stemming from a deep understanding of altered states of consciousness. And that's where this idea of anchoring comes from. But the reality of what we have developed is, is the psychotherapy tool, which could be utilized by any therapist for any sort of therapy. Um, and over time, while we are psychedelic purists, we definitely would like to see this being utilized in more sort of general mental health um, use cases. And particularly, we've seen enormous use case in adolescent therapy where engagement is such an issue. Um, and something like this, which introduces an element of novelty that an adolescent can, can, can relate to, while at the same time um, uh, providing a, you know, by putting someone in their own world, that adolescent not having to sort of sit and stare and talk to a therapist, but rather feel like they're talking to themselves and building their own model in their own way um, can be incredibly powerful. So so this is uh, an opportunity. Now, I know you just did something with Mind European Foundation for Psychedelic Science. What is that about and why is it important? So the Mind Foundation is the you know, leading organization supporting psychedelic research in Germany. And they have a series of clinics called the Ovid Clinics and um, they are the first clinics in the world to bring on board a VR-modulated ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. Um, and so that's very exciting for us, using, using our protocol and our product. Um, and 
they have a very deep psychotherapy focus, which sort of aligns with our principles. And um, yeah, we're very excited to see this develop and the data that we're able to collect from this. Right, so when I start taking a look at, there were a lot of wonderful charts that you had and a lot of information that was there. You had uh, really uh, have done some research around this specifically. Uh, can you talk to that in some way uh, in terms of what the impact is and what the efficacy is uh, other than just being a, a, a great kind of VR tool? Sure. We, we don't have, um, we haven't published our data yet. We wrote the first paper on the synergistic effect of virtual reality and psychedelics. We then ran some case studies in the Netherlands using our protocol and our product. This is with psilocybin containing truffles. Um, it's a small, small sample size and it hasn't been peer-reviewed, peer so I'm not going to, I can't talk about the results too, you know, in too much detail. But probably the most interesting uh, elements of those results were one, the, the strong emotional um, match that was induced by the virtual reality that was applied in the integration session when compared to the, 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 the post-psychedelic session. And that emotional match is exactly what we're trying to create by, by, by channeling this idea of anchoring. And the second was to go through and explore the safety, feasibility, um, and validity of, of working in this manner, which is something that we were able to um, validate by, by running these case studies. So. so when you say the emotional match, uh, uh, tell me a little bit more about that. What does that actually mean? There, there are certain um, uh, affect measures that we measured just after the uh, psychedelic experience and that we measured again during the integration session. Um, and these affect measures, and particularly the, 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 the exact metrics um, in which we saw uh, greater effect sizes, effect sizes um, were what we were looking to see if they were going to be aligned, um, which, is, which is essentially what we did. So when I was looking at it, I saw you had uh, you know, the preparation, the build intention crystals, then you had create anchors for the psychedelic session, there's a therapy session, you revisit anchors, explore and expand the anchors. You have something around individual sessions, shared sessions, joint sessions. Are these all programs within the VR? No, these are, these are not. These are just different ways in which to use the toolkit. Got it. So for example, um, one use case we see is in couples therapy. Um, we have two different sites on the beach, which is the, our beach is where the whole VR scenario is set. And you have the capacity for a couple, two members of a couple, one to be building their own psychotherapeutic model on one section of the beach, and another on the other section of the beach. We have a little teleportation chest, which sits in, in between both. And one half of the couple can leave little messages in, in, the, in, in the teleportation chest for the other to listen to, um, which takes away the confronta confrontationality of, a, uh, of what would otherwise be an argument. And then over time, to be able to invite the other into your psychotherapy. Create safe space. Yeah. And allow them to explore all of your insights that have emerged, and equivalently to invite the other partner across, and then eventually to be able to start building a, a model together as you, as you come back together and, and, and you know, re regain unity. So, so, there's, so there is this flight simulator kind of aspect to it, which I love because, you know, I mean, from a, if you're an airplane pilot or you're, you know, you, you don't go up, you don't get your license until you go through the flight simulator yeah. and you have that capability. Is there one program that you've got or are there several or how does that work? 
there's one main one that we have that we call Anchoring VR um, because of that concept of anchoring the psychedelic experience. But there are three others in the works. One which we use for grounding, um, one which we use as a more of a transition zone, um, and one which we use as a more of a safe space container. But these are still in development. And I'm just also curious, uh, you know, I saw you, you were up on the panel. Uh, I know we're, uh, you know, we've got some, uh, a few minutes here, just a couple of minutes. And I just want to ask you, um, uh, what do I want to ask you? Oh yeah, just from the viewpoint of safe space, one of the things I'm wondering about is um, like prisoners or people who have been incarcerated or people that, I mean, is there any studies? Where are the studies right now? of our own studies. Yeah. I mean, at the moment we're using, the, the, cl the ketamine clinics that we're partnering with are helping us collect the data, and we'll be able to compare ketamine-assisted therapy versus VR-modulated ketamine-assisted therapy, which will be really interesting. Um, I think the bringing in incarcerated populations is very, very interesting, but, but nothing to do with VR necessarily, right. but in terms of psychedelic therapy, and there were, you know, in, this, in, the, in the 70s, there was certainly quite a bit of quite a few studies into looking into um, incarcerated populations. Maybe not so much with psychedelics, although there were a few, particularly for addiction disorders. But even looking at transcendental meditation um, in incarcerated populations, I mean that is a that is a population sample that is um, that has so much to gain. That has so much to gain from any sort of methodology that promises greater connection, a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose. Um, because I think I think one of the commonalities that are often derived from studies of, of um, offenders is a is a lack of you know, offenders for lack of a better word, but is a, is a lack of meaning and purpose. And so, so let me ask you, just sort of closing it up uh, here. What's your business model look like and what are the barriers to entry and how would people find out about you uh, either as therapists, distributors, dealers, uh, people who want to work with your organization? What does that look like and uh, what's the process? So, I mean, the business model for us, it's, um, it's a software licensing model. Um, we provide the software on a monthly subscription fee. We also organize um, training and setup. Um, and we also pr provide the, the clinical protocols and guidance as well as support. Um, we're partnering with ketamine clinics um, all around the world. Um, we're also partnering with retreat centers. Um, we're also looking to offer our product to research institutions for free. I think that's something we can give back to the research community. We're both researchers at heart. So any research institution that would like to use a virtual, virtual reality tool, um, we're happy to provide that for free. And. Um, we will take emails just off our website or our LinkedIn. The company is Enosis Therapeutics. Their website is enosistherapeutics.com. Um, Enosis is old Greek for union, union of old world wisdom and new world technology. So Enosis, E-N-O-S-I-S, therapeutics.com. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time here. And if people want to find out more, they can go to the website. Any other closing thoughts as we start coming into the last day of the conference here? Any sort of drop of wisdom that you know anyone listening might say? You know what was that about, and what 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 should I do now? Or here's one: psychedelic therapy involves the medicine, the psychedelic medicine, and then all the other human elements. Right? Everything else we have brought into the space. In the last year, I think I think it's something like 1.7 billion dollars that has been invested into companies in drug development, and 
under 200 million that has gone into everything else. We've invested $1.7 billion on the one thing that we already have, as opposed to everything else that as humans we have introduced into the space. And what we're doing, and I what I would love, hope to see much more of, is far more innovation, research, and interest into all the human elements of the process, the context, the set, the setting, the psychotherapy. These are the low-hanging fruit, because this is the stuff that nature hasn't evolved over millennia. This is the stuff that we have just sort of come up with in the last 50 years. This is where we can really start to create the most incremental improvement and benefit. And I hope that's the direction that the industry starts to take. Great, so there is this uh, ability to really tap into our own minds, our bodies, our spirits, the ability to really reframe, uh, or as I like to say, reboot, reframe, re reset, reframe. So reboot, reset, reframe, and through this virtual reality experience to go ahead and really look at our reality in a very different way. I'd like to think so. Yeah, so I, I really want to thank you for taking the time, and uh, this is Keith Fiveson with the Mindfulness Experience. Uh, tune in, there's more. Thank you for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience podcast, the Microdose Wonderland interviews. There's more coming up, so stay tuned. Make sure to scroll through all of our podcasts on technology, mindfulness, and psychedelics, and much, much more. Connect with me on social media platforms. Visit my website at workmindfulness.com. This is Keith Fiveson. Thank you again. See you on the next show. Take care.